HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by MOFAD, the Museum of Food and Drink. For more information, visit mofad.org. I'm Linda Palaccio, host of A Taste of the Past. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Good morning and welcome to Inside School Food. We are the podcast for K through 12 nutritional professionals and anyone else who wants to join our in-depth exploration of topics in school food. I am Laura Stanley. And it is Farm to School Month 2016. Uh, This is the time of year when school districts across the nation celebrate their local harvest with locavore menus and tastings, workshops, field trips, and festivals. As always, we are joining the party with a suite of special episodes profiling leading-edge work in farm-to-school. This year, we begin in Michigan, where the state is supporting the expansion of a pilot that provides up to $0.10 a meal in matching funds for districts engaged in farm-to-school purchasing. The pilot is very suitably called $0.10 a meal for school kids and farms. If you don't work in school food, maybe you're wondering why this is a big deal. You know, what can you buy with just a dime? The answer is a lot. Uh, Piled up, these dimes amount to hundreds of thousands of dollars invested in regional food systems. They pay for a very noticeable, very exciting difference in the salad bar and on the plate. And if all goes as planned, these dimes will generate many more times their value in local economic development. Today's guests are here to explain how Michigan's 10 cents a meal pilot was hatched, how it works, and where it's at this school year. We're going to begin with Diane Connors of the Groundwork Center for Resilient Communities. She is one of the architects of 10 cents a meal. After station break, Michigan State Senator Darwin Boers will talk about the political process involved in securing bipartisan legislative support for farm to school. So welcome, Diane. Hi, Laura. It's great to be here. Yes, I'm so thrilled you could join us. Um, To start, just can you tell us what the Groundwork Center is? 
Well, Groundwork Center is a nonprofit organization. We're based in a rural region of northwest lower Michigan. It's an agricultural region. And, um, and we try to do models in our region that create resilient communities, whether it's in lo- building local food economy in ways that also provides us all with access to great local food for our own health, uh, or it would be in transportation choices, walkable communities, clean energy. And then we work with people around the state and really around the country to communicate the good models, uh, bringing from the country to our region and then taking good models of our region back back out to the state and the nation as well. And so that's where we ended up doing a small pilot project called Ten Cents a Meal for School Kids and Farms in our region with the goal of of being able to connect with people like Senator Boer and see whether or not this could become something that would be a state pilot. Mm-hmm. Okay. And for listeners who know your work but aren't caught up, um, we should mention that you were formerly called the Michigan Land Use Institute. Yeah, we were formerly called the Michigan Land Use Institute, and we changed our name. Maybe it's just been a year ago now. Right, it seems it's like it's been forever ago. Mm-hmm. The Groundwork Center for Resilient Communities, because it seemed to capture, be a bigger umbrella for capturing the yeah, work that yeah. we do. So, you know, we first mentioned Ten Cents a Meal on this show uh, two years ago. It was pretty much still in its infancy. And, you know, looking at what's going on, I feel like it's come a long way in a short time from a privately funded uh, program that was involved initially just three districts to a state-supported one involving, you know, how many districts are enrolled now? It's 16 districts, and we're really pleased it's it's expanded in our region of the state as a result of the state funding, the idea being that, you know, this is something that districts um, can continue to utilize for great benefit. We hope that this can become a permanent program and also that we can continue the learning from the districts in our region, but it's expanded to additional districts in our region, and it's also been expanded to another part of the state, West Michigan. And when we worked with Senator Boer on the possibilities for this legislation, we, we sort of narrowed down to a couple of areas with the amount of funding that could be available from the state to say, well, here's the areas where there is interest in some, and some experience in schools in purchasing locally grown food, Michigan grown food, mm-hmm. and also there's been some of that local food infrastructure development because we all who have worked in farm to school know that it's not always as, as easy as just, um, you know, developing those business relationships and skill sets right right out the door. Mm-hmm. That you need time for those business relationships to develop. In our region, um, which we can talk about more later if you want, we've seen a whole lot of other uh, businesses develop, partly because of the farm-to-school marketplace that has grown. Things like uh, extra local processing, freezing processing, and local food distribution and things like that. So it's so much more than a benefit to the farm. There's a whole um, kind of uh, local economy development of regional food system and uh, regional supply chain participants that benefit uh- along the way. Um, Diane, so so are you in, is the pilot in its third year or its fourth year? Well, we just ended, we had three school districts start the first year. Then for the, we had two more years where we were able to add in four additional school districts. 
So that was with the local pilot where we raised funds for this. And then now that funding was gone. So that was from foundations, like Foundation, Family Foundations. There was a local business that pro, uh, called Cherry Republic that provided a big grant that actually helped us to launch the program. Mm-hmm. We had other businesses do fundraisers for us and uh, a lot of individual donations. So the funding for that had ended, and so then, you know, the whole idea was, could this help to inspire another pilot project at the state level with some state funding for this, and that's what has happened. If, if we hadn't had that state funding, then the pilot would have ended. So for our region, the schools that were involved in the original pilot that are now a part of the state pilot, it is, in some cases, their fourth year, in some cases, their third year. And uh, it's the first year for um, the majority of the districts. That awesome! Are now yeah, so and we're really excited. How much money is? I understand this is a this is a matching grant. So whatever the state um, offers has to be matched by participating districts. So how much is coming from the state this year? Well, it's a two hundred fifty thousand dollar pilot project, and of that. There is a reimbursement fund of, I believe it's two hundred and ten or two hundred and twenty thousand. So if you double that, then you get the statewide impact of um, four hundred twenty or four hundred forty thousand dollars that would be put into the economy at least. Mm-hmm. Although we saw in some of our schools that once you helped to catalyze some of the business relationships and also the flexibility for school districts to try new things with, with students, that they actually ended up spending even more than that. Examples of things that peop- that school districts have been trying are things like Romanesco, which are in the cauliflower broccoli family, and um, some food service directors tell us the kids, you know, call them trees or lime green spaceships. <laughs> and um, uh, Jenna Knopfsinger, who's a food service director with the Frankfurt School District in Benzie County has talked about how because of this funding, she was able to work with a new cooperative of farmers that received some funding to um, do some minimal processing of fresh fruits and vegetables. She now gets uh, multicolored carrots in the shape of fries and roasts them. She's got gold and purple carrots, and she calls them panther fries. And so she's trying all of these new things and uh, finding that she's able to to spend more once she starts to develop these business relationships and has time to work with the kids on what kinds of products they actually like and what they want in the menu. Right. Coming with all that is the the tastings and the, you know, the winning them over and giving giving those catchy names to the new foods, which we know is so effective. There was one district that moved its Caesar salad, you know, over time to almost completely kale instead of the lettuce they'd been using? Right. That was um, Jackie Cobb is the food service director at Glen Lake Public Schools. And that's what she said, too, is that what this did was allow her to just slowly try new things and see if the kids liked them. So she would put, like, I think she said that 25% of the Caesar salad that she knew the kids already liked, she started to substitute kale for, for the romaine lettuce. And then it was 50%, and now it's 100%. And Dave Ruzell is the food service director for the Leland Public Schools. Um, many people probably know the, the pioneering work that the Minneapolis Public School System is doing. And 
I happened to come across a kale salad recipe that Minneapolis Public Schools was doing, again, for our region to have things that are done in cool weather climates and, mm-hmm. and see if the kids like these kinds of foods. So Dave said, okay, well, if it worked for another food service director, I'll give it a try. And now he's serving apple kale salad on a regular basis because his kids absolutely love it. I'll see if I can get a copy of that to post on today's show page because it sounds delicious. Um, Diane, you know, what kinds of farms stand to benefit the most from this program? Well, you know, we have really seen uh, that it's worked for a variety of um, farm businesses. And so if you if it's a smaller district, there are some smaller districts that, well, actually it runs the gamut. Sometimes small districts don't have as much staff and they need the convenience of something like a Cherry Capital Foods, which is a local foods distribution company that started out in our region and now has expanded statewide. Um, and, uh, and, but other times, because they're smaller districts, they also have farms around them, and they're able to uh, have more of a personalized relationship with the farmers. So we have seen Farm Direct. We've seen that combination also with our largest school system. Um, our school systems range from hundreds of students to 10,000 in the Traverse City school system. And Tom Freitas, who you have spoken with before, mm-hmm is the food service director of the Traverse City School System. And he does a small amount of farm direct purchasing, and then he also is working with this new Michigan Farm Co-op, which is a new group of farmers who've come together around the minimally processing of fresh foods. He's also worked with the Goodwill Farm to Freezer program that I know you've also featured yes, on your yes. in the past. And, um, and Goodwill actually goes, the Farm to Freezer program, actually goes through Cherry Capital Foods for its deliveries. So you're seeing this ripple effect of business relationships that go from farm direct to farm cooperative to processing to um, distribution delivery services. Yeah, yeah. And, and I will also... to each other. Yeah, I will also post a link to that episode about uh, farm to freezer and its relationship with Cherry Capital and the Traverse... Uh, uh, City Public Schools. Um, that, that was an episode we did two years ago. So I'll post a link to that on today's show page because that's that's part of your story. That's where things, a lot of things, began. Um, so Diane, speaking of beginning, um, you know, where did you know there, there's an there's an origin story here that's really interesting. Um, two parts. I'm interested in in um, looking at first at the um, Michigan Good Food Charter and its relationship to the thinking in this project. Yeah, well, the Michigan Good Food Charter is, um, I believe it was developed in 2012. And in the Michigan Good Food Charter, it's a set of 25 recommendations. And it was, there's um, the MSU Center for Regional Food Systems, the um, Michigan Food Policy Council, and the Food Bank Council of Michigan were the coordinators of this, and they drew upon a lot of different people across the entire state of Michigan, people like me working in nonprofit organizations, people like in state agencies like those in the Michigan Department of Agriculture and Rural Development, um, food service directors at schools and hospitals, 
um, and others to talk about how can we grow Michigan's local food economy in ways that also invest in, in our residents' health and quality of life. And, um, and so that was passed, uh, people, 25 recommendations. And one of those 25 recommendations was the 10 cents a meal pilot. And that was based partly on in 2011 in Oregon, um, there was uh, the Oregon legislature passed legislation it, it provided, I believe, seven cents a meal. The project was called 15 cents a meal because they provided some funding out of that pot of money for school gardens and things like that. Mm-hmm. But it was seven cents a meal for purchasing Oregon-grown products. And that, pilot, that state grant in Oregon was inspired by a, a pilot project that was, again, privately funded by foundations, just like ours was. Because, as I understand it, the advocates in Oregon wanted to show the Oregon legislature that this was something that could be a great way to invest in children's health while also investing in the state's economy. Starting small, as as was done in Oregon, um, and um, Oregon is now at the point that the, the latest figure is that the state allocated uh, $4.5 million uh, for the 2015-17 biennium cycle for funding statewide. So, you know, this from from small or, you know, from a small start, as you're describing this, this can really grow if it if it demonstrates benefit. And I know, Diane, you've looked at other states that um, are following Oregon or have attempted to follow Oregon. Um, it's 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 a it's kind of a movement. Who else is is trying to do what Michigan is trying to do? Well, I know that New Mexico has had a program in place for a few years now, and so has Washington, D.C. I've heard that there's a county in Kentucky that has done something like this, and I haven't been able to track it down. So if anybody in your listening audience knows about it, I'd love to Me learn too. about it. Me too. You want to write about this. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, New York passed a um, pilot project this year. So it's sort of like you've had Oregon leading the way, and now I think they're in their sixth, their they're a two-year budget cycle, so mm-hmm. now we're into our fifth and sixth years for Oregon. And indeed, when they started, it was a, a grant program, competitive grants, for the first four years. And then they decided, you know what, we, this is just great, and we need to fund this for all schools and just provide the allocation without it being a competitive grant. Mm-hmm. And so we are now starting also where it is a competitive grant program, and there were 54 four districts that applied for the grant and only 16 could be funded. So there's a lot of interest out there. Well, that that's in so New York yeah, yeah. State, I believe they wanted a larger pilot also, but they passed a pilot um, that is I need to learn more about that pilot, but it's in a smaller part of the state. And again, that idea of of starting small and then learning. And I think the fact that you know we had um, we had two states before, plus Washington, D.C., that have been doing this for a while now, and now in one year, 
you have Michigan and New York moving forward. I think that's exciting. I hope that we can start something around the Yeah, country. yeah. It would be very exciting to see this kind of thinking go national. Well, Diane, I said earlier that we look for leading-edge work to profile on Inside School Food during Farm to School Month, and this certainly fits that description. So, you know, Michigan is at the forefront in a national effort to what I, I call institutionalizing Farm to School. So I'm excited for you. Thank you. We're excited, too. Yeah, and thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Uh, After station break, we will hear from Michigan State Senator Darwin Boer. He's going to talk to us about Michigan's healthy political appetite for local food. Stay with us. There are over 50,000 Chinese-American restaurants in the U.S. That's more than three times the number of McDonald's. How did Chinese-American food become so popular? And what's the story behind their unique menu of dishes like egg rolls and General's chicken? Brooklyn's Museum of Food and Drink is going to explain it all with our next exhibition, Chow, the Making of Chinese-American Cuisine, featuring tastings, beautiful artifacts, and live demos of a fortune cookie machine. Visit chow.mofad.org to learn more, get advanced tickets, and help us make this exhibition a reality. Again, that's the Museum of Food and Drink at chow.mofad.org. Welcome back. Today on Inside School Food, how Michigan, like Oregon before it, is investing in its regional food systems by providing school districts with extra reimbursement for local food purchases, up to 10 cents a meal in matching funds. I'm very excited to have Michigan State Senator Darwin Boer on the line. Uh, Previous to joining the Senate in 2010, Mr. Boer served three terms in the State House. He now represents 12 counties in the northwest and north-central lower Michigan Peninsula, a region that is home to legions of family farms. Senator Boer is a member of the Senate Agriculture Education and Appropriations Committee, so he is well-positioned to champion legislation funding the 10 cents a meal pilot. Senator, I'm so pleased you're here to tell us about that today. Welcome. Well, it's nice to be on the on the phone with you and on the program. Thank you for having me. Our pleasure. I look forward to uh, talking about a, a great program here. I know. It's really been your baby. So, <laughs> <laughs> And it has uh, from the time that I uh, visited uh, from with the people that were running farm to school, uh, Mark Coe in Traverse City, uh, and then to my discussions with Diane Connor, who you had on before me, uh, who is the champion of this program for sure. Uh, 
I don't have the background in uh, in food service that you do or Diane does with the schools, but I was born and raised a dairy farmer in just six miles north of Everett, Michigan, and my grandchildren are the seventh generation on that farm. So uh, then in my banking life, uh, I was 41 years in the banking, and I was an ag lender there, and then on to the legislature, as you mentioned, uh, as part of the policy for uh, agriculture in the state. So, yes, uh, my love for farming and my love for uh, homegrown foods is ingrained in me. Sure, it runs deep. And and was I correct in characterizing the um, farms in uh, the counties you uh, represent as being kind of small, mid-sized family farms? That is right. Most of them are. They are growing. The family farms are growing in the dairy industry. Um, so they look like uh, capo farms, but they are still family farms. But mm-hmm. they are growing in the are getting much larger than they used to be, but still, there are lots of lots of small farmers out there. Right. So, for, for those farms, um, what you know opportunities does Ten Cents a Meal present, or, or you know what what problems do they have that the program has the potential to address? Well, I think uh, our to learn that we have such a program. Uh, Diane has been doing a great job. Uh, and getting the word out since 2004. Uh, but to understand what the program is is probably the, on the problem side. On the positive side, it's an opportunity, unique, an economic opportunity for them to supply uh, to our schools where otherwise they would be buying in bulk from whoever supplied them the lowest price, and, and, that's, what, and that's what they do. But this is an opportunity uh, for them to take their products right to the kids and and all of the support that it's the healthiest for our kids. Right. So as Diane mentioned, I wondered if you could elaborate a little bit. You, are a, you, like Governor Snyder, are an advocate of locally initiated and driven economic development. Can you just tell us a little bit more about how this program kind of works as an example of that? Well, Let's say Governor Snyder certainly is about local uh, local produced and economic development locally. I mean, we have the ideas, we have the uh, we have probably uh, uh, the talent in our communities. We just don't always have the opportunities to the markets as uh, some places do. So uh, certainly in the urban areas. So we have to we have to build networks back home, and uh, the governor has been all about that. When he set up the prosperity regions in the state of Michigan, the ten prosperity regions, mm-hmm. that's where the development takes place. There's not this big state government there that's done in these regions, and what's good in those regions, and that's what uh, those people are working. That we have groups of people working in each one of those prosperity regions. Uh, for development, and this is one piece of that. So the 10 cents a meal pilot is occurring in um, how many prosperity regions? It is two. Mm-hmm. We had, uh, uh, there's 10, and we're, we're in two, but there are big prosperity regions. One, uh, one prosperity region has 10 counties, and the other one has 13. So we have 83 counties in the state of Michigan. You've got 23 of them in these two prosperity regions. So it's a large uh, pilot. Here right, in these right. two. Now, when we were going through uh, uh, the work to try to get it in the budget, um, 
the vice chair of uh, education, K-12, was in a different prosperity region, uh, region four, uh, and or six, and that was in at one time. But when they got in the final, final uh, go round, um, it had to be pulled out of there, and it ended up in two prosperity regions, two and four. But the vice chair of K-12 wants it in his district, and he'd like to have it in there this time. But hopefully next year, uh, we'll be able to expand that. We'll watch the numbers coming in and how many is applying, and as already we know, uh, we had more people asking than, than we had the funds to do it. Right, so. right. That's, that's how Diane, Diane was saying the same thing is happening in New York State where, you know, there's there's more that want to participate, but it's important to start small, as was done in Oregon, to understand uh, how it works. Well, um, yeah, yeah, so yeah that, the communication is a big thing, I think, mm-hmm. to get the word out. Diane worked really hard on this, and uh, I think uh, um, in the end, she's, she's the person that makes this happen and uh, uh, but I also believe that uh, because we have such good support on the on the appropriations committee for it mm-hmm. uh, you'll see an expansion of it so I know so you're a Republican and but I understand that there's just strong bipartisan support you know like can you just talk about the political process involved in attracting support for this oh yeah that that's the urban areas as I mentioned uh, early on, not today, but early on in this, that we would have maybe problems in that area because they don't have the small farms and, and so on. But as we got into to the discussions and uh, with the Senators Coleman Young out of Detroit, uh, places like that, those people got the understanding of what this is. And they, I think uh, both sides, this is not political issue, this is a issue was healthy food for our kids, opportunities for our farmers, uh, our schools, an opportunity all of us know that we need more funds in their schools. This is one way to help those out. Mm-hmm. So eventually, I know you're very excited to see this program move statewide, but there will be sort of a, a different protocol or a different set of issues once um, it moves into those urban areas because they don't have the close access to farms that your current right. participants do, right? And then, right. <laughs> and then you've you've also said uh, that you're you're just think that this has potential nationally, which is just so great to hear. You want to talk about that? Well, I think, you know, when we talk about Oregon and Washington, D.C., New York, and Michigan, that's a that's a large group. And if you want to call that a pilot, well, we can call that a pilot in the United States. I think they'll all find, all states will find, especially Ohio and Indiana and Wisconsin, as you go up to that center of our food belt and as we move west, I think you'll see those states getting on board with this. I, it's a... It just makes sense, and it's the healthy. <laughs> this is healthy for our kids, and that's what we all want. And the USDA standards require more mm-hmm. uh, on the greater variety of fruits and vegetables. So all of those things uh, tied together, I think you'll see these states get on board here. Right, and and if if you can continue to demonstrate that it catalyzes robust regional economic development, it's a win-win. So uh, yeah, it's exciting. It is a win-win. Mm-hmm. That is sure. We just have to prove it. Right. You know, is and this pilot, I think, will do that, especially right. in this prosperity region two and four. I think you get out. Uh, we'll get out of just two and four 
pretty quickly. We have to up the uh, the funds that are available to do that, but we show the pilots doing what it's supposed to do. I think we get that too. Well, good luck with that. I, I really look forward to checking back in with you and Diane in a few years to see how the program is progressing. So, Senator, thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome, and we all want to keep providing good, healthy food for our families. Okay. Uh, you have been listening to Michigan State Senator Darwin Boer on Inside School Food. To learn more about the 10 cents a meal pilot and the Oregon work that it is modeled on, check out the resource links on today's show page on InsideSchoolFood.com. While you are there, you can show us some love with a donation. There's a link for that, too. If you have given already, thank you very much. Inside School Food is a production of the listener-supported Heritage Radio Network in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Today's awesome heritage sound engineer is David Tattashore. I'm Laura Stanley, and I will have more farm-to-school programming for you next week. I look forward to welcoming you back. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.